It's one of the options I thought about for why the name could be this way, but that wasn't the main reason. That was just an added thing that I liked. That I'm kind of mocking you. And it is the second episode, so the 2-2 goes good with this one. And I hope that you bear with me, your deer with me, your mouse with me, your chicken with me, whatever your spirit animal that you identify with is. I hope that you do that with me as I experiment and Frankenstein together what I think I want to do with this until I finally find my sound. Because that's a hard thing to do. How you actually want to sound and what is going to be real, but also still get in the parts that you got to structure. There's got to be some structure. It can't all just be loosey-goosey. You got to have some structure. And Dave Chappelle had a really good thing about this recently with his Mark Twain acceptance speech. He was quoting Miles Davis and how it took him a long time to just play like himself. And I related to that very strongly because I know when I first started writing in a diary, I hated like the voice that I had with that. It didn't fit me. It didn't sound like how I thought I sounded when I talked to myself. And that's the whole point of a diary is to just be unfiltered and cathartic and real with who you are. And I wasn't doing that initially. It took me a long time with writing. Took me a lot of fuck-ups, took me trying a lot of stuff, and it took me just getting all of that out of the way so that I could actually sound like myself. The pebbles that you play with won't even make it to their pond. I know you want to skip and splash and have a mighty arm. You search for smooth round skipping stones and have a pocket of the best. Every chance you get, you always toss so well. Your eyes focus, your mind locks in, your arm and hand transform and unify, and you sling your whole being for the bliss of search skills, skip, splash, smile, rippling reflections, but you're nowhere near their pond. The pond they have was built for them by you and all before. You dug the hole that bore its wall as you also buried you. But not even at the bottom of the pond that we all dug, not even scum in the vacuum of a soul's wealth when it's smug. So let's find rocks. We like to look. Patient practice gives. Let's hold those stones and skip with skill and smile when we do. I'll hold me and you hold you. That's all that we can do. Reflect upon old rippled young. The game's not to be won. It's just one thing that we do if we live with what is true. That's a poem I wrote recently about freedom and this delusion of control that most people still seem to retain and that they're trying to use to not play the game. The game being that you just gotta go along with this shit. There's been a lot of argument of freedom lately, and I have looked up and read the definition myself several times. I've also shared it on Facebook, and I'd like to read that now as well. It's a very simple, short, one-line thing, easy enough to comprehend for even the dumbest of people. Freedom. It's a noun. The power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint.
And the reason I was thinking about that was because of the whole mask fiasco. And just the obvious lack of freedom for the people that think that that is somehow correlated to their freedom. In the old American ideal of freedom, that was taken away from us back in the railroad times when those old cats made enough money to just fucking win everything over. You haven't had freedom in a long time is the point I'm trying to make. A mask has no correlation to freedom. And the freedom that you think you have, that shit was gone a long, long, long time ago. We haven't had freedom in lifetimes, most of us. And it would take lifetimes to even try and get to that level of freedom that you have in your mind. But I'm not a political person. I don't want to preach too much. I just want you to know that you're fucked, basically. And you have been fucked for a long time. And you will be fucked for a long time. And the only freedom you're really going to get is by acknowledging that. That's the only point that I really want to make. I've been thinking a lot about the last episode and some of the things I liked and some of the things I didn't like, and I've been overthinking this episode as I've been trying to rewrite, rearrange, re-record, and get it right and keep fucking it up or just not getting it quite right or quite as good as I would like it to be. And I just have to keep reminding myself that... I've got time now. So much of my life, I feel like, has been rushed by me or what I thought of the circumstances I was involved with. Especially with cooking is when it really got to a point where I was very focused on my minutes and my times. And then comedy became kind of the same way. It was a different type of minute. But... I've had a lot of focus on that. And even with just daily conversation, even when I just casually talk to someone, I always have to like overthink, overprocess, find the thing that I like best of what I want to say and hope that when I get my opportunity to speak, it's the right moment for that right thing. And even then, I'm just left with so many other things that I wish I could have gotten into the conversation and said naturally and smoothly. And that's always been the case. In my speech, my public speaking class that I took, and my storytelling class that I took, same semester back in fall 2019, I was always left with wanting to be able to include more in the short amount of time I had and with the guidelines that I had. There was always so much more content I wanted to get in there. I was able to tell a story about hate, which I was pretty happy with. One of my friends disagrees with that. Or he just thinks that it's not something people are comfortable with hearing someone bring up. And I openly discuss my hate because I've got so much of it and it's such a large portion of who I am that I have to get it out. Otherwise, I'm going to be the next big serial killer or Karen or just awful person that you hear about on the regular. So I need to channel my hatred into things. And I did that with art for a long time and I did that with cooking for a long time and I do that on a regular basis by just unleashing the fury within me and verbally assaulting people from the comfort of my car. But I was happy about my hate speech or story, I guess it was. I was happy that I was able to try and accurately address that, whether I did as well as I wanted to or not. 
And I was also happy with some of the speeches I gave in that class. I was able to give a speech about how life is too long. And I'd like to talk more about that at some point on this podcast, but this isn't the episode, I don't think. At least not right now, I'm not planning on addressing that. But I would like to talk about how I think life is too long. I also had another good one that I liked a lot, where I started off saying, you should follow your passion, right? And you should always give 100%. And of course, you should never give up on your dreams, right? And then the rest of the speech was just disproving that, which was fun, because I felt the shift that I intentionally tried to create, and it worked, and I was very happy that that worked, and I was very happy that I got to present something like that. And because it incorporated the saga of my cooking legacy, if you will, it was pretty captivating. Like, I remember my teacher commented on how captivated everyone was, and I could feel that myself, and I really enjoyed that. And that was another thing that helped and pushed me towards doing stand-up, and now this... And it's just good to do stuff like that. I like that experience. I like being on the audience's end of that experience, and I like being on the presenting side of that experience. But yeah, what I was initially setting out to say is, in the last episode, I had a tenseness about me to start off with, and one of my friends picked up on that and commented on it. I'm glad that he told me that because that's the kind of thing that I'm looking for at this point that I'm trying to work out and get right so that I don't keep making those kinds of errors or have anything that's just affecting the listening experience. And I got another good bit of feedback from another friend. He sent me two messages. I dig it, unpasteurized. I especially like the latter. I like that so far things are coming off as unpasteurized. I want to be unpasteurized. I don't want to be tense. That's not the feel or... I'm trying to be understanding of myself and a little gentle, but it also resulted in me saying some weird phrases that I don't really use and I don't particularly like. And that's going to be one of the things that I talk about on here a lot because that's something that I just think about a lot, our phrases and the way that we choose to express things. And I know that I used the expression that something was my bread and butter, which is not an Albert expression. I don't say that. That was probably one of the first and hopefully the last time I'll ever be using that expression. Unless, of course, I'm having bread and butter to eat, which is delicious and I love. The other one was take that with a grain of salt, which is a little more like me, but it's still an overly common, overly played out, and equally unimpressive way of explaining something that's a lot simpler than that. I also had an interesting universe moment. I tend to call them. They're just like coincidences. When the things that you've thought about or talk about with someone actually end up lining up with something else that happens later on, often in the same day or shortly after but with the with what I tried to explain before about how sometimes what I say comes off as offensive and sometimes I like to play devil's advocate and it's all about intention for me 
how I don't intend to be abrasive or influential with these negative ideas, but I feel like I have good intentions with wanting to say terrible things. And so I was watching The Last Dance, that Michael Jordan documentary that's on Netflix now that I'm sure everyone's talking about. And But Phil Jackson mentioned this word, Hayoka, which of course I had to look up and figure out what it was all about. And I liked what I read because I felt that it connected well with what I said in that last episode and what I've always felt like. I remember being a very young kid and just always feeling like everything was so backwards and how much of what we do on just a regular basis is like the opposite of what we should be doing and the approach we should be taking. So much of life just seems weird and backwards to me and I'm constantly swimming against the current because that makes more sense to me, not just for the sake of rebellion and going against the grain. I think There is a certain part of it where I crave the balance that comes from that, but I think most stuff just comes off as backwards to me, and I feel like the opposite of approach of what most people do is often a lot more... It just makes a lot more sense to me. So when I looked up Hayoka on Wikipedia, this was what it said, is that it's a kind of sacred clown in the culture of the Lakota people of the Great Plains of North America. The Hayoka is a contrarian jester and satirist who speaks, moves, and reacts in opposite fashion to the people around them. So, I'm already in. I love the sacred clown. And then I was reading more on it. I found another article on Google, and it had this part in it. Hayokas often approach the world from a backwards perspective. We often don't live as others live or choose what others choose. We often try things that others see as foolish or childish, seemingly just because, yet there is always a method to our madness. We came here to be a mirror, to reveal what is underneath. I forgot to mention the mirror thing. That was another thing that I had been likening myself to, trying to explain how I approach and think and speak about other people and the things they do as well as myself very immersed in process and analysis and observing and seeing how things age, how the foresight paired with what happens in the moment, paired with hindsight, all come together, and then time, of course. Time is always a factor in everything. But Michael Jordan, I was talking to my friends about watching that documentary, and they were kind of surprised because I don't like sports. There are very few things I know about sports, and very rarely do I talk about sports, but I'm like, Michael Jordan was just legendary and iconic. You don't even have to be in sports to acknowledge what an influential and incredible person he was. I think it's in everyone to just admire and enjoy someone who does something that incredibly well. And there were other people that were almost on his level that helped him be on that level, the whole team, basically, including the coach, Phil Jackson. It's just cool to watch. What's not so cool to watch or hear, as most of you have probably experienced, is your own voice. Is that what I sound like? That's what most people say when they hear themselves and they don't like it. It has something to do with your bones and your ears, I believe, is the explanation I heard, but... 
I think it's more mental and emotional. I think people just have unrealistic ideas of themselves. And when they see a better representation or a more realistic representation of how they actually are, it's unsettling for them to know that they're not as cool as they wish they imagined they were. But when you do a podcast and you have to hear yourself as you're sitting there speaking to yourself, and then you have to go back and re-listen and edit and hear the same things multiple times and try and improve, it really uh, <laughs> it really takes that whole thing to another level, the whole being aware of how you actually are and having to deal with that. And it reminds me of that thing that people do when it comes to drawing, how before they even start, they have to say something. And they get that shitty, snide, like, it's funny that I hate myself attitude. They're like, I'm such a terrible artist. And then they start drawing. And of course, they're drawing terribly because if you say I'm horrible at this before you do anything, it's going to be pretty shitty. On top of it, just incorporating that self-hate and that fake, strained humor involved with it where you have to be a part of it. Whoever you say that to and in front of, they have to go along with it. That's the only way that it turns out well because I've tried not responding. I've tried saying something about it. It's one of those things that you just, you gotta follow the grain. Like the fucking mask thing. Like, I get that you think other things about it, but right now, that's the popular idea. It's like Christianity. I don't go and ruin people's faith anymore. So just go with the game, man. Just go with the grain on this shit. Just That's the fucking game we gotta play right now, whether you believe it or not. That's what's gonna help smooth shit down. And I likes my smooth shit. But the drawing thing, we know you draw bad. We see that. If you draw and it's not good, we know that. You don't have to tell us that you draw bad. And I don't want to be a part of your hating yourself and laughing about how shitty you are at something because that's not exactly my sense of humor. It's close, but it's not quite the same thing. So quit with that shit, and quit with the dessert talk, because it rubs me the same way. There's this weird, complex layers to such a simple thing happening, but either order some dessert or don't. I don't need to hear about how you think it's bad or naughty or you shouldn't or you're... All that shit, just order the fucking dessert or shut the fuck up. Judgment is good. That's one of the things where I have to get my Hayoka backwards thinking in because I've heard so many dumb things said about judgment. You shouldn't judge other people. Only God can judge me. And just countless other stupid, mindless things that people think sound good because they think they're being nice. And it's just dumb and destructive. Judgment is one of the best tools that you have because you are an animal we are still just animals look at the way we think and act despite how many wonderful things we've created and despite how civil we have the capacity to be we are still just 
dumb animals driven by our instinct, our impulses, our responses to things. And judgment is at the core of that. Think of judgment as your main tool for survival instinct. And our genes even have the sense to try and make us different. That's how natural selection works, is you're going to have random mutations with gene variation. And that is what's going to give you an edge to make you survive better than other people. So that corny shit that they used to tell us in the 90s, just be yourself, just be yourself. That was actually good advice. They said it in the wrong way, and they didn't explain the importance of it, but your judgment is your key to survival, to being the best you possible. It's going to give you that indulgence of that edge that you have, whether it is a mental or emotional thing, like me with my hate. That is my survival instinct. That is my random mutation, my genetic variation. And that gives me an edge because I have acknowledged it. I have come to terms with it and accepted it. And I have figured out how to integrate it into my lifestyle without it being incendiary and destructive. I use my hate in a very powerful way because that fire, that passion is the same thing that is in love. It is the same motivator and it has taught me how to love. And I do love. I am still a very loving person. I love a lot of things and I think I love in a much higher way than a lot of other people have learned to at this point in their lives. But I am only able to have that. I'm only able to realistically understand that because of the hate that I have. And I was born with that hate in my heart. And it doesn't have to be as ugly as we've been told it is. That's another thing that we've been fucked over and we've misconstrued and twisted around and taken what could have been a good thing and made it into a bad thing because we're scared to judge others and to be real with our emotions. Hate is a tool as well, and it can be used in a productive way. And I would like to talk a lot more about instinct, and I took biology and anthropology, and I got a, I got a lot from both classes on multiple levels, but the biggest thing were some new philosophies that I've been festering on for some time now about how bacteria are our ancestors and our gods, really, and how a lot of our behavior comes from bacteria. And we'll get more into that at some point. But again, I don't think this is the episode that I want to dive into that shit. But look into it, man. It's good stuff. I miss good assholes. I don't just mean sexually. I mean the thing that used to be called of someone who had a bit more intellect or had more integrity or had more individuality. The type of person that was just so supercharged with character and was stuck around people that didn't have it and had shitty things. So they were honest with people in a kind of explosive way and they were deemed assholes because of it but I grew up admiring assholes like I always wanted to be like a good asshole because those were always my favorite people in tv shows or if I actually saw it in person an asshole used to be a positive thing you had to have the strength and the courage to be a good asshole and you had to have 
the intelligence or the integrity or the individuality to back it up. And we've ruined assholeism now, too. There aren't good assholes these days. Everyone's an asshole these days. But it is one of the only things that is actually instant. I hate how with like pudding or mac and cheese, they use that word instant because it's not. There are extra steps and ingredients involved. Instant is instant. It happens like right away. That's what the word means. And with being an asshole, that's one of the few things that you can actually instantly be. As soon as you do or say something that someone else perceives that way, you are just instantly an asshole. And there's a beauty to that. We used to have that good conflict. I don't know if we used to have it, but I'd like to think that before this modern generation where everyone's just offended and victimizing and shaming and being woke and all this shit that's happening right now, people used to just be able to say what they thought and felt and other people would voice if they thought and felt something differently. There was good conflict at one point. We used to actually deal with each other, even when we got heated and wanted to kill them and their country. We still would like talk through shit, and there was good conflict. I mean, that's one of the main ways that you write is conflict. As soon as conflict gets resolved with writing, the story is done. That's like one of the most basic aspects of writing is just conflict, and it's a very big part of our lives. I mean, look at how much more we still like the dramatic shit in the headlines rather than hearing about our next positive technological or medical advance like Neuralink. I'm pumped about the Neuralink thing, and I'm the only one that I know that's into the idea of it. Everyone else is worried about some Terminator shit happening, but I think Neuralink is our next step, and I think it's going to happen whether we want it to or not. And I think if Elon Musk is the one that's doing it, it's going to be a good thing. And I'm looking forward to it. I keep saying, chip me up. Beam me up there, buddy. I'm good to go. Throw the chip in my brain. Get me hardwired. Get me on that computer speed interfacing with my brain so I can just do the things I've always thought about and wanted to do. Finally have the time and the platform to fully delve in and explain and explore the ideas that I want and express them in a way that's satisfying, that I feel good about as I'm saying it as much as I do when I go back and listen again or look again or think again. I was talking about art in the last episode as well, and I failed to mention, or I guess I just started thinking about it again. I've been thinking about it for a good week or two now, actually, how important art was for me. It really shaped my mind and my emotions, and I learned so many good things from art, and I think that if you were not lucky enough to be told that art was important at a young age, and you didn't try making art, or you didn't find appreciation in viewing art, that you got fucked. You got cheated out of one of the best things that humanity has ever done. 
because it really makes you more intelligent and more observant, more analytical, more emotionally evolved. There's so many benefits that I could go into. I could structure an entire philosophy, lifestyle around the benefits of art. Because it's not just some silly, stupid thing faggy people do with their emotions because they don't want to play sports or something like that. Like, it's so much more than that. And it's, I think, almost necessary for people. I understand that there are some people that just don't connect with it. I think that those people have something else of equal value that they take those same qualities from and learn from and that resonate with them. And I am fine with that. I think that's good for those people. But not everyone has another option. They just missed out on art because they didn't see the value and they heard bad things about it and they thought that there wasn't money and there wasn't anything good to come out of it. And I'm just, I want you to know that you missed out, and I don't think that you can really get that back later in your life. So I hope that you encourage anyone at a younger, impressionable age to understand the value of art and what can come from it. It'll not only make you far more understanding of your own emotions and other people's emotions and increase your empathy and observation skills and analysis skills, but it'll make you more intelligent. You'll be able to see patterns and you'll recognize patterns and you'll learn how to search for patterns and how to analyze things until you're able to form a pattern if one isn't present and how you can apply certain patterns in other contexts, how you can take a composition from something you see and put it on paper and how... You can do that with ideas and emotions. You can take a really complex feeling and really built up ideas and reduce them down to just a single image. You can just put on paper or a canvas or whatever your medium is. You can create a single image out of really complex internal things. I could talk, and probably will talk, more and more about that at some point as well. I have weird connections with nature. Started a couple of years ago, back when I was working at Target. Fucking Target. And I befriended this wild bird, Roger. (laughs) I still think about Roger, and I still miss Roger. And my story about hate was actually about Roger. But he was just this scrawny, scrappy-looking, fucked-up, beat-up-looking bird that you could tell it had some rough times. And he just, he looked at me in a way that was very human, or more than bird. I felt seen with the way that Roger looked at me, and he would show up day after day after that, and he would just, like, hang out with me, and he'd look at me, and I really enjoyed him. I may have to talk more about Roger at some point. But there is also a weird experience I had with a dragonfly one time when I was in my pool. And I think dragonflies are pretty majestic. I've always liked and admired how their shapes were and the long lines they had and the way that that balanced out between the length of their wings and the length of their thorax. They just had a very interesting and appealing design and body style 
and they're shiny and they got those cool eyes and they just like hang out with flowers or hang out near water. I always thought they were really cool. I always really liked them. I was never afraid of them until I was in the pool one day and I think this was sometime in my teens. So I was old enough to not be afraid of insects, especially not a dragonfly because I thought they were so cool. And this one flew really close to me and then it landed on my hand and I was just like stoked because I had never gotten to look at one that closely. And I was studying it. I was looking at its wings and its body and its colors and I was so excited. And then I noticed that at the end of its long tail, thorax section, whatever you call it, it set it down on my hand and like a hook came out of it and the hook slowly entered my skin. And at first, this was kind of shocking, and then it kind of started to hurt a little bit, so I freaked out. I lost my wonder, and I shook it off of my hand, and I put it under water, and I was rubbing it, and I don't know if I got raped by that dragonfly, but I know that it tainted me on dragonflies for some time after that. I still don't think I'd fully trust a dragonfly in a similar situation, but... For like a week or two after that, my hand was itchy in that spot. I didn't even know they had something like that. I thought they were just like fly, fluttery, magical things. I didn't know they could rape hands and make them itchy for days or weeks. So that was an unsettling experience. And I have that same kind of whimsy for hummingbirds. I think that they're really cool, really fun, beautiful, happy little creatures that the speed and the way that they move and everything about their appearance just always manages to put a smile on my face and get my heart a little lighter, a little happier, and get kind of a flutter like a hummingbird has with its wings. I had an idea for a bit that I wanted to do the different personalities of hummingbirds, so hopefully I follow up with that at some point but lately I've been thinking about hummingbirds a lot because I've had a lot of interesting experiences with them when I go out in front of my house to smoke cigarettes I've had like multiple times now where I see a hummingbird and I'm watching it and I guess it notices me noticing it so it comes over pretty close to my face it's like right in front of me and it just kind of hangs out in front of me for a good minute or two and lets me look at it and feel special and I just really like hummingbirds for the most part, and I do see them fairly often, but lately I've been thinking, if I ever got into a fight with a hummingbird, God forbid, I don't know how that would even happen, but in the event that a hummingbird like decided to attack me or something, I know that it would fuck me up. Because I'd be so caught off guard and filled with wonder and then instantly turned to panic that I wouldn't know what to do and its fast little body would be darting around and getting its tiny, long little beak through my fingers and poking me in the eyes and shit, and I would just look like a total bitch getting my ass kicked by this wonderful, majestic hummingbird, but it's been a real fear of mine lately, and I'm really hoping that that doesn't happen. I like that I still have connections with nature, that I'm still able to go outside and have some weird interaction with a bird or insect and feel close with that natural animal side of me. As I'm also advancing into the digital world, like I mentioned, I'm pumped to get my chip brain, my brain chip from Elon, get all fucking neuralinked up and join that whole digital immersion world. 
because I do like the digital world. I like the good parts of it. I like Facebook, even though everyone's upset with them constantly about almost anything they do and think Zuckerberg's a piece of shit and all this crazy weird stuff that people have with Facebook, but... It was the first digital platform I connected with and liked. And it used to be better, sure, but for me, it's still a way for me to just kind of have a credible, well-dated online journal of sorts. It really helps me sort of remember and order my life, as well as give me some perspective into what's going on in the world, how people are reacting to things. I think it's funny that people get upset with the digital world and how things are in the digital world, like advertisements and all this other shitty stuff like the dating apps, and they feel like, oh, this is making people this way, when it's the opposite way. The way that they designed this stuff was based on human behavior. It's the same with the bacteria that I was talking about earlier. We're just behaving like the bacteria that make us up, and... It's the same with digital stuff. This whole digital world is just created to mirror humanity and the things that we do, our behaviors, the algorithms that they've got built in and around all this stuff where they're just like constantly indulging your impulsive emotional side that reacts to things. It's all built from us, by us. Sorry, FUBU. But it's as much... A reflection of us as we are of it. And that's the weird thing is that there is this symbolic cycle that occurs with it. Even though it was created from us and for us in that way, we're feeding back into it and behaving like it. So it's just like this third level interpretation of like distorted reality. So people are just like these really shitty advertisements for ideas of what they want to be at this point. That's what the algorithm has steered us in the direction of. And until we start steering back out of it and find our instinct to naturally select something better than that, it's just going to keep evolving in this really weird way. And it's so weird, especially on like the digital dating. I got banned from Tinder. My friends think that's funny. I'm kind of butthurt about it because I think Tinder had the best interface and it had the most people and just the most stuff happened from Tinder. So I'm on Bumble now and Bumble is like the Scottsdale of dating apps. If anyone's listening to this and they're not in Scottsdale and don't know about Scottsdale, it's just, it's a little more wealthy, so it's a little more pretentious and that's about all you really need to know about it. I'm not too receptive to getting advice when it comes to dating, especially digitally, but I do like to give out my own advice every once in a while. Like recently, I was telling my friend all kinds of good stuff that I thought he should say on there. Like, I told him, tell her your gash is oozing molten lava, and when you laugh or cough, it spurts and sprays your hot, sticky gunk all over like a lawnmower. Tell her your name is Neptune, and you demand goats to frolic gentle in your warm meadows. Tell her they had to ban spear hunting where you used to live because of you. Tell her you collect sawdust to pad your trodden hooves when thou'st runneth about. Tell her you're a wild animal on the verge of extinction, so you need to breed her like a 12-year-old in Vietnam during war times. Just, it's not actually advice. I'm not that dumb. 
And I wouldn't say things that crude to actually have them be meant that way. I think it could work. In the right context, with the right person, you might get a chuckle from saying something similar to that. But most of the time, as I'm going through and swiping away, one of the most common things I think is I am not able to punch hard enough for how badly I want to punch her in the fucking head. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. I thought it was funny back when the Black Lives Matter movement was starting and other countries started gaining momentum and being a part of the movement. I heard a lot of places in Europe were a part of it. And the one that really got me was when Germany was a part of it. Because if Germany starts standing for a movement about race and treating people differently because of it, you know you fucked up. That's like if someone from Japan were to be critical of somebody from the Middle East for like a car bomb. It's pretty fucking ironic. You don't expect that. And you know if you're in a situation where it's like real life irony and it's serious, that you just gotta get your shit together. I know I need to get my shit together. Because I forgot when I was talking about assholes earlier, one of the inspirations for my asshole talk was the show that I started watching. It's called I'm Sorry. And it's one of the better written shows I think I've ever seen. There are genuinely clever, funny lines throughout almost every single episode. I had a lot of good, genuine laugh out louds while watching that show and it's got some of the i think the best butthole jokes i've ever heard there are a lot of butthole jokes in this show and almost all of them are good i didn't realize how funny buttholes could be until this show and it got me thinking about assholes and now i've passed on the torch of thinking about assholes so you're probably gonna have at least a day or maybe an hour where you think about assholes. You might have a whole week. If you're like me, you're probably going to think about assholes the entire week. That's okay. Sometimes you got to think about assholes. You don't always get to choose the stuff that you think about, but if you're lucky, you get to choose how you think about it. Man, there's still probably so much more stuff that I wanted to say and wish I could have packed into this episode and I hope the more I do this the better I'll get at it at this point I'm feeling pretty good about this run but I had two other ones before this that I felt pretty good about and when I listened to them a day or two later I just was not feeling them at all I thought I would even have some parts that I could salvage and work into the final episode and it I I think I'm just going to delete them because that's what happens when you actually reflect on yourself. Everything you could ever really want or need from life, the things that you really can actually know, which isn't much other than yourself, all you got to do is take the time and think about them. Sit through the uncomfortableness of dealing with the parts of yourself that you don't like and anything you could possibly need or want. 
is going to be there in your thoughts if you give it the time and you're real with it and you work through it. It's all there. So think about assholes, you assholes. Not all of you are assholes. Some of you I wish you were assholes a little more. I probably need to be an asshole a little more. Well, I'm definitely an asshole enough. 